turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick with you, Joe with you, and a special third guest today, the returning champ. I don't know what number appearance this is. Maybe four for Matchstick Golf President Dane Delgado. Hey, Dane. How's it going, fellas? Good to have you. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes, we are. Thanks for having here. us on your podcast, Dane. Yeah, it's, it's good to have <laughs> you guys here, really. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're you guys killed the down for me very, very... Uh, expertly while I'm gone. Thank you. We've we've been we've been trying to do a good job for the last uh, 6 months or so trying to trying to fill the gaps between your appearances. Very exciting topics today. We're going to talk about the five most satisfying shots in golf. Dane is also going to give us the rundown of what's happening with Matchstick Golf this fall and winter. The holidays are upon us. But first, before any of that, I want to implore you to please rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars on Spotify. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If there's another platform that still exists, please give us five stars there as well. Without further ado, it is time for the Handicap Report. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off anything at Piper.Golf. Hats, balls, gifts for everyone in the family. I'll start. My handicap is the same. It's an 8.5. I played the Greenskeepers Revenge tournament this weekend. And Nick, we talked last episode of whether or not it was appropriate to post the number or not post the number. Well, the decision was taken out of my hands as the OGA golf course in Woodburn is going over a, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars renovation. I've never seen anything like it. Irrigation is being put in the entire golf course. Other courses in Portland should take note. This is what you do. And as a result, only 17 holes were available to play, not 18. And so because of that, I am null and void from posting <clears throat> that, that score. That's not true. Do you do you listen to any Nick rules? You can Go post ahead. a legitimate round with 14 or with 14 or more holes, and then you take your expected score for the other holes. So you, are you just making that up? No, that is that is a truth. It, you have to play seven out of nine hole round or 14 holes out of an 18 hole round, and there's an expected score. Um, that you make based on your handicap and the, and the slope and rating of the course and the, the ranking of each hole. And for the holes you do not play, you put in your, yes, I, I see your look, but you put in your expected score and you post the number. So wait a minute. I could play a nine hole round and I don't play the two holes that I don't play well. I put in my expected score and I post that nine hole round. And does there have to be a reason that I can't play those specific holes? No, that's that. You can do that. There are several loopholes. Maybe we should have Why are we even keep? But there are several loopholes in the handicap system. If you want to use it to game the system to to just, you know, shift your index whichever way you want to influence it, you can. But absolutely, this decision was not taken out of your hands. You could you can post this <laughs> handicap. <laughs> Seventeen holes is doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, you can still post that score. I don't think you've ever covered that on a, on a Nick rules. And if you have, I'm sorry, I should have paid attention. But yes, coming up next week on At The Turn, why handicaps don't matter. Do you want to go to Dane? Dane, what's your handicap report, buddy? Uh, my handicap is still 12-6. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played that very many rounds to be able to make it happen. I thought I had um, a chance to really make it push under that 12 mark, Joe. Mm. I played the, the three nines at Mount Hood, which you, me, and the boys all played, what, last summer or something like that. Um and uh, I had a bit of an interesting time there where I got to the first hole. I had I'd rebuilt my entire clubs with 
new club heads, and then I also um, did uh, graduated waiting for them, which is something that Nick understands what that is, and Joe, you have no idea what that is. I was sure. just going to say, explain that to me. What does that mean? <laughs> it essentially means that you pick a weight um, from a, a set that you'd like, uh, like, okay, I really love how my eight iron feels, and then you essentially try to dynamically weight them so they all feel the same. So they all all clubs feel the same. It's a it's close to what Bryson is trying to do with his one length type of thing. Only there. Okay, that's all you had to say. It's it's yeah. it's some Bryson stuff. Okay, so you're on the first yeah. tee. I'm on the first tee. What happened? I pull out a glove and I don't know where it came from. It's a medium men's cadet, and it, it's like. <laughs> That's it's, the smallest you can have. It's, yeah. It's like OJ trying to put on the glove, right? Like it doesn't fit at all. It's not even wide, close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know what so, a cadet is. It's 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 wide handed short fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I run back to the clubhouse. I I nobody's in there. Nobody's in there. So I'm just like, ah. So I steal a, a, a glove. Now. Yeah, I'm shoplifting mode now. Wow. I, I steal one. I I steal one out of it. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'll, I'll come back and pay later, right? So I run, I you know race back to the first tee, and there's, I'm not getting 20 guys standing there. And they are about to have, they have like, they have a starter gun. They have like a, a thing of a, a starter whiskey gun. Out. A starter gun. They have a starter like a gun. There's some, field starter gun. There's, yes, there's some kind of like, um, which is weird because they're not doing a shotgun. They're all starting on the this, same tee. This actually sounds like, like the bad dreams I've been talking about with Joe yeah. on this podcast over yeah. the last year. <laughs> then I realized so, I didn't have shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I so they're just sitting there and I'm just like, screw it. So I, me, it's just me and my girlfriend in the, in the cart. And I just don't even stop. I just go straight past them to the first hole. It's that first mm-hmm. little like weird, you know, dogleg um, par four. I skip to the second hole. First shot goes great except for I'm barely short and barely left. So instead of being on the fringe of that first par three, I'm in the bunker. I get out of there with a, a nice clean triple. And then mm-hmm. I proceed to only on two other holes where I, so I had to skip the first hole. So I gave myself a bogey on the cards for like, so I can understand. Right. Where because there's a, there's a formula for this. that The USGA clearly <laughs> outlines in the rules of handicapping. None of this matters. This Already is come up twice <laughs> in the first six I'm minutes. I'm sure there podcast. is. I don't, I, I, I don't know why any of us have handicaps. Continue. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, um, I, I, I put two drivers into the woods, which ended up giving me bogeys and I shot 82, but I was going to shoot much much lower without that triple of being nervous, a bogey, and then two other random. Si- oh. Woo. Woo. I was, uh, I would have broke 80 again, Joe. So, yeah, There's... instead, I'm said tw- 12 and a half and uh, ready to take it into whatever. I'm not sure when we stop posting here in Oregon, but that's oh, I'm you'll at. find out soon enough. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, are you following the uh, the hokey rules of the USGA playing 15 holes and in, in, in posting like a 74? What's going on? That's my strategy for next year, because uh, whatever I was doing this year was not working. This year I committed to like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I didn't play again in my handicap <laughs> remained at 23.3 again. And they're just going to drag, I have to drag my name through the mud again on this handicap report. And I, I just, I got to figure out a way to, to cut that like in half, so at least somehow like get into like some respectable territory. Like Dane, wait, I'm, wait, I'm so wait, envious of it. You, you need to find a way to cut your handicap in half. Yes. Same. Well, I mean, that sounds yes. great. <laughs> you, I mean, so, look, you're keeping two children alive. I, yes. I've got one more, I, I believe, one more postable round of uh-huh. this season. And uh, it's not going to take much <laughs> to move it. Like, if I shoot like 92, <laughs> like this thing's going to go down. But I just keep 
not doing it. So. And that is your handicap report brought to you by Piper Golf. Before we get to our top five most satisfying shots in golf, boys, I don't know if you saw this, but there's been a lot of updates on the TGL. That is the indoor simulator league started by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, sort of in response to Live Golf. I didn't know what TGL meant. I thought there was like a tiger in there. TGL, folks, if you're not aware, stands for Technology Focused Golf League. Technology (laughs) Technology Focused Golf League. Here's the format because that was this was released this week. All TGL matches will be held at the newly built SoFi Center on the campus of Palm Beach State College in Florida. The course within the arena covers the surface of roughly a football field and allows players to hit full shots from real grass tee boxes, fairway, rough, and sand into a simulator screen, 20 times the standard size. So it's not just a regular simulator. It's an enormous simulator. So like if if somebody shanks one that's like pretty much at a 45 degree angle it's, it's the screen is still large enough to to catch there that are robotic arms that purpose. are going to pop out and snatch that ball to make sure no one gets hit in the stands like For if shots- anybody needs a simulator screen that's 20 times size the, the standard one it's us not these guys uh, for shots inside 50 yards, competitors will transition from the simulator to the quote-unquote green zone, a complex spanning more than four basketball courts that features a large adaptable putting service that can change the green's slope depending on the hole being played. The roster of the biggest names that have committed so far, I'm just going to rip them off. Tiger, Rory, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Maddie Fitz, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Xander, Homa, Hatton, Fleetwood, Fowler, Kim, Breaking news as of this recording, we're recording the Thursday before the Monday. Pull back the curtain. John Rahm is out. He says he's not doing it anymore. People are speculating why. Perhaps there's more information about that at this time. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit about this in totality? It is going to air on ESPN starting in January. My morbid curiosity and, I don't know, four hours of daylight in the month of January will probably lead me to watch some of this. Guys, what say you? How, How interested are you in this? I'm not interested at all. If it airs at like 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night, I'll probably turn it on because that's the only time I'm like free to have 20 minutes to, to watch some TV. Um, it's obviously it's stupid. Um, I don't think they need these guys to, to do this league. Like the audience isn't the audience who's been following Tiger and Rory for the last 10 that's or 15 right. years. Like it's, it is, and I was reading an article about how off-course golf with things like Top Golf, you know, are, are becoming more popular. But it's a completely different person. It's not like you and I are waking up on Saturday morning at nine thirty and saying, "Should I go play eighteen holes at the golf course I've always played, or should I go to Top Golf?" Like, like it's not the same people. So, at, at bottom line, I think I already said this. This is stupid. Yeah, I, I, I think that what will also definitely happen is that. Because we all know that on Instagram, you end up with the people that are like analyzing Tiger's gait as he comes out of an AM PM or whatever, you know, or, oh, he's yeah. standing on the green. Oh, my gosh. So seeing him from the first one, when he actually like swings a golf club, the ratings will be sky high for the first one. The question is whether anybody will make it through the first commercial break of the second episode, because I'm not sure that's going to happen because I don't really understand it. It's it's kind of I mean, we're, we're venturing into uh, the kind of people that like are more into like Twitch streaming 
you know, like watching somebody else do the task as opposed to you, but it's not sort of inherently like it's not inherently athletic because you don't really understand. Like there's no concept of like space and time. It's like, well, I could do that maybe or something, even though it's still hitting a golf shot on grass and that kind of thing. I'm just not sure it plays the same on TV. So I, I don't really have an interest in it. I'm sure that I'll be like you, Joel. I'll, I'll tune in for a little bit and see what's happening, but it's not like, ooh, you know, I got to clear out my Wednesday night. I'll take it one step further. Using a golf simulator yourself is like the worst facsimile of real golf I can imagine. I think it's awful. I don't get any information from hitting into a golf simulator. I'm a little tinfoil hat about it. I don't look, I, I see Nick already ready to throw his microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a little tinfoil hat about it. I know like it's, it's real and whatever, but the feedback you get from hitting into a screen is nothing like actually watching the ball fly. I think you made a really good point, Nick. Who the fuck is this for? Who's going to turn on ESPN? Guess what? They've already been playing golf tournaments. The tournaments in Hawaii would have already taken place. They're going to be going to the desert. Like they're in the PGA tour season while this is happening. So it's not like you are counter programming to no golf. There's going to be golf and a better version of this. It's going to be weird. I don't know who it's for. It's not for us. A couple of things. And then I think we can move on. Um, that's, that's a good point about there's, there's real golf going on. So like anytime you've got, athletes in a sport where the thing that you're showing me isn't the most important thing to them <laughs> like why yeah. why should i care like if if jordan thomas or justin thomas is trying to win like the phoenix open like why do i care about his tgl league performance um second of all on uh, the launch monitor thing i just have to i just have to go back golf simulators they can be very helpful if you use like i've never played St. Andrews on a on a simulator like that's not what I think you get value from. It's like from, the real like, thing. Yeah. Go to go to the range, hit some shots, see like why is my 6 iron launching higher than my 7 iron? Um maybe there's some things going on with your swing that you could probably learn that you can't do at a driving range. I will defend simulators from a practice standpoint. Um I will not defend the TGL. That's fair, yeah, Dane. Do think- you want the final word on this? Yeah, I think there's a difference. Actually, yeah, what the final words on simulators? I don't care about the TGL. I'll, I will say that I I, <laughs> I agree with Nick that um, there's certainly I think practicing like there's a couple of indoor practice facilities here in Portland where it's like that's all you do, and I still prefer to go freeze my butts up like my butt off at the like range like you know just bundle up to like hit shots and see the flight. But I will say like say for you, Joe, like you like to hit that like nice high cut. And like if somebody was with you or you learned a little bit about like when you overcut your shots, like like what happens in terms of like in and out, like your your path or then your and then your spin rate, your side spin rate, like you could learn like what that feel was that produced that spin, and then you could take it. Like you wouldn't need to like sit there and practice on it. You'd be like take like eight swings and go, Oh yeah, okay. So it like the spin this direction feels like this. So like just change that feel a little bit and then go back to the range. It would be a little Nick, bit. Nick, can I guess why you're laughing? Because you know uh, I have no interest in that information. <laughs> no. Joe, with a professional who understands like three data points that a track man gives, in 15 minutes could cut his handicap in half. Like we talked about like, I want to cut my handicap in half. Joe, like in 15 minutes with somebody who knows a little bit about a, a track man could cut his handicap in half. Like, hey, Joe, I, I see you're hitting your driver 280, but you're also hitting down on it like four degrees. Like if you hit up on it three degrees, it would probably go 315. Like, you could learn that in in two minutes, and <laughs> you could learn that in two minutes on a track man when somebody knows what they're doing. But you just refuse to do it. I do like that Joe, like a white elephant gift for Joe, would literally be golf lessons. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the idea of Joe talking to like a, a certified golf professional uh, is laughable. I got golf lessons. How long ago? When's the last 20, time you had a golf lesson? 25 years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was uh, Friends was on TV. Um, TGL mm-hmm. will start airing. Uh, RIP Matthew Perry. Uh, TGL will start airing in January on the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. Okay. Very excited about this. It's time for the top five most satisfying <clears throat> golf shots. I say we just go around the horn. I didn't do mine in any particular order from, you know, five to one. I don't know if you guys did as well. Dane, you're our guest. You want to have the tea first? Sure. Do I just go through all five all row? All, oh, all no. Through? You go through one, and then we ping pong okay, around. Okay. My first We're drag one. this out. Absolutely. First one it's is, a podcast. Everything's being dragged out. <laughs> is, is long wedge to green. And what I mean by long wedge is not necessarily a full wedge. I'm talking somewhere between the gap between, like, say, 60 yards up to whatever your lob wedge goes on a full swing. So, like, minus, like, 85 or 90 in the air. So, like, a long wedge to the green to, like, a tight location. You know, so like whatever that is for your handicap, like, you know, Joe, you're like aiming closer. Me and Nick are trying to just get it on that kind of thing. But something. Where to not, it. Yeah, not, not 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 a full power shot. You know, for me, it's like I'm usually still using, you know, at that range. I'm still using, still using a 54 to make sure there's spin when it hits the, hits the ground. But like something that's like, ooh, like, you know, this is like some some kind of uh, like in a little bit of a like touch to be able to like get this shot in, you know, where it's like a, a partial swing. That's like, that's one of my most satisfying shots. Nick. Um, the, the striped opening tee shot, mm. just nothing, nothing's as good as, as getting that first one under your belt and hitting it good and, and setting the tone because like, that's, that's the first shot where you're like, well, I mean, if you guys, I don't know if you guys hit balls before you play around the golf. I don't. Um, so it's, it's the first one to be like, all right, what do we got today? Let's find out. And uh, it's even more satisfying if you're paired with randos. That's a good one. Um, what did I put for my first one? Let me get the document back up here. Oh, yeah. You got like, I don't know, 220 out. You see the green is a little bit of trouble. You got some bunkers. You pull out that four iron, that three iron, and you just launch it high into the air. We're talking a flushed long iron, baby. I'm not sure there's a more satisfying feeling than executing exactly what you wanted to do with a long iron. There's still a shot that I hit in chambers that just is in my head where I just had a howling wind and kind of an uphill lie. I just launched a three iron into the air and it landed over the green, but it was just perfectly in flight. Just, you know, like those 10 or 12 shots that you just remember that are like, if you could just replicate that somehow you would be a scratch golfer. That's one of my 12. And that's why it's in one of my top five, a flushed long iron. Yeah. I blacked out during that. I don't know what that is. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my, my second one is a, and it can be, it could be for birdie par or to save bogey, but oh, specifically boy. it's a, very short putt we're talking three feet where you like you really need it for whatever reason so it could be for bogey like you're like oh i gotta save this to be able to get back on my you know uh, birdie par train or it's to like really score on a birdie but it's like absolutely doing the it's the tiger putt basically it's the confident take the flag out i'm gonna bank it off the the back part of the cup and i'm gonna hit perfectly center of the face and i sort of like on these putts i kind of zone out after i pick the line and i'm just concentrating 
on the middle of the face, hitting the middle of that ball and getting that nice, big, soft, marshmallowy like feel. That's like a very satisfying shot to me. If I may, a mini round. Let's all go around the horn and say, would you rather do that for a birdie, par, or bogey? Dane, you first. I would... Oh, man, that is so hard. I would rather do that for bogey. Mm, <laughs> because, I get it. Because because <clears throat> I, I would... Be, sometimes you just really need that. I don't really yeah. need birdies as much as I really need to save bogey sometimes. That's... Uh, uh, we did the handicap report at the top, so people understand. Yeah. Yeah. Nick? I, I agree with that. 99% like making a bogey versus a double bogey is probably better than anything else. I actually put this on my list specifically to save par. And the reason is like, if I miss a birdie putt, like, yeah, it kind of stings, but at the end of the day, you look at the scorecard, it's a nice clean par. Nobody really cares. Um, but when you have a four footer for par, you're thinking like, I've played this hole well enough to not hurt my round. And all I have to do is finish it right here. And you're thinking like, I've been watching my playing partners pick these up all day, those cheating bastards. Now I have to sit here and knock it in. Um, And so when you actually finish it and save that par and capitalize on like three, like slightly above average shots and get to write a four down on your scorecard, I think that is slightly more satisfying than either eliminating a double bogey or even capitalizing on a a tight, uh, tight one for birdie. This may be a bit of a surprise. I'm actually going to go with a birdie because if I have a three-foot birdie putt, one of two things has happened. One, I've stuffed an approach shot and i got to pay that thing off. Or two, I've hit it close in a par five and I've chipped up to a few feet and i got to finish that off. Or I'm avoiding a three-putt par, which is just like I'm going to jump in the ravine right there because I can't go on. So to me, paying off a short birdie putt is one of those things that keeps your round going, whether your round is going good or going bad and you have to get it back on track. Paying off a short birdie to me is the most important. I'm glad we were around the horn. We had all three. That was great. Nick? Well, my next one was was going to was be... Was the par a, putt. A, a four-footer for par, for exactly the reasons I just explained. Okay. I'll go to my next one. Um, I mean, this one's easy. Just fucking bombing a tee shot down the middle. Just absolutely stripe show, you know? my My favorite kind of tee shot is either one of two things. I hit the ball very high. So when I execute a low tee shot into the wind, I'm very excited about that. Conversely, if you're downwind and you tee it up and you just launch it into the stratosphere, the jet stream just carries it. That is another one. So either a high one downwind or a low one into the wind, but any kind of bomb tee shot. Come on. Yeah, baby. I love that. Um, I, it's funny. I've seen, we played a couple rounds together, Joe, where uh, you've really needed that, but you've been quiet about it. And we're like on nine or 10 or 11 or something and you hit one so hard and you sort of like look at it and walk away like you do the slow walk away like the, you know mm-hmm. like you get plunked at your next tee shot if you did that in baseball um, oh i know i, love, I, love I know that. what i'm i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> my next one is actually kind of similar to my first one but it's hitting a full shot with my favorite club which is an eight iron but mm-hmm. like absolutely absolutely executing that like straight in where i can hit you know a birdie or a par putt that's what I want to see because it's like, you know, for me, an eight iron is probably now because my, well, my new clubs are, I'm still figuring it out because my new clubs are back to standard lofts as opposed to all this game improvement loft nonsense. Graduated so weighted more too. Like, yeah, graduated. Are they all weighted based off that eight iron? They are actually, yeah. Okay. They're, they're weighted based off my old eight iron. Yeah. So, mm. um, but um, 
it's uh you know it's probably we're probably like 100 or 140 or 145 if i really get a hold of it that kind of thing um and just like absolutely like plunking it because like i don't hit it as high as joe so like an eight iron is a nice high shot like well executed and then just like boom right to the hole so that's my next one love so that good. stuffing one while playing through oh that's there's so nothing more satisfying that is a great one playing through and absolutely nailing the assignment of sticking it close. Maybe you even make the putt, get out of there in two strokes. See you later. See you never. That is perhaps the most satisfying shot in golf. When you, when you just hit a seed, when you're playing through, do you guys have a memorable one of those? (laughs) Yeah, actually the first time, holy shit. Sorry. Every every single shot. I'll say every single shot I hit, uh, I was playing Glenavere West uh, two summers ago, first time I broke 80, and I basically did that for every single shot, because it was like, I was a s- single, I was a single, and everybody was paired up next to me, God and I actually you. ran into, I ran into two, two fivesomes that day, so it was going to be like a six hour round, um, and I just stuffed basically, at, in fact, that made me shoot under 80, because it was like, well, I just got to get the hell out of the way. And so yeah. it's just like, we'll just hit it, hit it straight to the middle. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. Like literally felt like every shot. It's great. The denim I, shorts uh, were out. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, used to, when I used to play at Hemlock Ridge, the, the third hole was like, could have been the first hole, like where the location where it was within the clubhouse in the parking lot. And I remember one time going, playing through, Pim was in the front. I didn't ne- technically like, stuff it. It was just on the front fringe. Front was uh, pin, front pin. Uh, I was like 12 feet away, but I, I did hit the putt for birdie. Uh, get out of there in two shots and uh, peace out. Yeah, there's no better feeling. I did one at PGA West where we were playing through a group and there was like a long par three. It was like 195 and trouble left and you can't really go right. And I was like, well, let's just swing and see what happens. And I flush a six iron to like 15 feet. And the guy I was playing with, really, really nice guy, a doctor. He said something that always stuck with me. He goes, way to step up there and hit a fucking golf shot. And I was like, yeah, yeah thanks, great. man. He kind of yeah, he kind of drove it home. Did I three putt? That's for you to decide. Okay, my <laughs> next one. Uh, oh, this is an important one. It's not like a fairway bunker shot where you're like 140 out. It's one of those devilish designs where it's not greenside. It's not fairway bunky. It's one of those tweener bunkers where you're like 50, 60 yards away. And somehow you, you know, you don't really know what you're doing at that point. Do I take a full swing? Do I take a half swing? And you execute it and it comes off perfectly. And it just feels like you should be on the PGA Tour because that's like an 11 out of 10 difficulty shot. The 50 to 75-yard bunker shot. As hard as that shot is off of a fairway or in the rough out of a bunker, it's nearly impossible. Yeah, that's a very good one because that is like – it's also you get that opportunity few and far between, right? Right. Who's practicing that? Of, Lunatics. Yeah, who's practicing that? Yeah. How are you practicing that? What club do you, you, uh, are you, do you belong to and how can I come play? Um my next one, I think, is not on our list anywhere, but mm. um, how are we not going to mention it? It's a low one through the trees, baby, oh. specifically splitting <laughs> trees. Because And, and here, here's one that I really like because I think there's an additional part of it that we don't talk about enough. Because not just splitting the trees, but for most of us, that shot is coming off of a, a wayward drive, right? And so you're going to end up for a lot of like uh, holes that we play, say here in Portland, Joe, you're less than 200 yards in. So to keep it low, you need like a five iron in your hand and you got to put it back in your stance and you're going to like turn it over and compress it. But a five iron in your hand compressed low is going to go 
I don't know, especially on the ground, it's some burnt out place we play in the summer, like Glendivere, it's going to go like 200 yards if you just like absolutely get all of it. So you also have to like put the top, like I take my glove off for those shots so I can have mm. better feel in my hands. And so splitting the trees and only hitting like a five iron, like total 120 yards to be able to be like right on the fringe or right somewhere I can just hit like a little 30 yard chip shot and then still get my par. That's like a very satisfying hole. And that, that shot like sort of is the whole thing for it. That's that's a very good one. I think for me, <clears throat> where, where where it stops for me is if I execute that shot, like I didn't get beyond like getting through the trees. So like I'll hit a good shot and then like gets to the trees. and I'm like, oh shit, I wonder how far this is going to go. <laughs> Cause like I didn't really plan. I was just hoping to like hit something I could keep like under the branches and through the trees and like, Oh, oh man, I've done that. But like, I, I never get the distance right because like I said, I, I just, I just, if I, if I keep it low enough and, and straight now enough, what? I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So like, I don't really need to think about anything else. <laughs> I love that. Nick, are we, is this, is this the round four? I think we're on round four, think, right? Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I have another bunker related one. I just put a mm. decent bunker shot. Like it doesn't mm. have to, um, you know, be anything special, anything good. Just like my, my shot is in the bunker. I got out in one. I've, <laughs> I've got like something inside 15 feet for par, probably going to make a bogey, but that's okay. Like I didn't make a double or a triple. So just a decent bunker shot where you don't embarrass yourself. You kind of keep moving, keep progressing towards the hole. That's pretty satisfying. I like that. A ho-hum bunker shot. Yeah. It it is satisfying. Avoiding when you, disaster like, from the bunker is so satisfying. It it truly is. Um, I'm gonna piggyback off Dane's earlier. Uh, a must make putt is really big. Like, and I also imagined like a shorter one, but I'm thinking like one of those awful like where you're below the hole in a chip and you chip it above the hole, and now you have four and a half feet, but it breaks like a foot, and somehow you gauge it perfectly and it goes in and you're like, oh my, I may have saved like two shots there by that putt going in. So like a really tricky kind of short to medium length putt for whatever. I don't think it ultimately matters in my mind. Just whatever that version is of a really tricky short to medium putt, having that go in where it feels like I could hit that 10 times and maybe it goes in once. Yeah. In just to let the listeners know, in his brain, this is a putt where Joe makes it and then he's like, ah, God damn it. I then I got a par two more to do to get 70 70s to save this fucking round. That's what's happening in his head. He's not saying that out loud, but <laughs> No, you know what? Depending on the day, I might actually be saying that out loud. If it was that last round we played at Glendevere West. By the way, we had a conversation about Glendevere. Um, I always joke about writing Metro a letter. I'm actually gonna write Metro a letter this offseason and 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 sort of give them the state of the state as someone who's played at that golf course for a long time. It needs well, to let's happen. do it. Let, let me let me co-sign on it as uh, somebody who sells in that that pro shop and loves awesome. that place and it's my home course. Yeah, I'm into that because I, w- I would okay. love that. I think they yeah. Anyway, conversation for another podcast. We're gonna but, do it. Okay. We're on number five, I think. I'm starting yes. number five. This is one that also people this is a very you said make it personal, Joe. Mm. It's absolutely destroying a nine wood because it goes so high. So high. And it's this, first of all, a nine wood is not a club that a lot of people carry. And I started carrying it because I don't carry a four iron and I just had an mm. extra spot in the bag. I just, you know, okay, whatever. I picked one up for fun and then uh, decided I liked it and then built a real one that matched my um, club head set. But, with the gradual weighting. The, with the gradual weighting, correct. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you guys are it's really, it's, it's, it's really satisfying because like at a, like the, like to say the, one of the weakest parts of my game is hitting longer shots, like something over one, 
70 into a green and a nine wood from the fairway is something that I can, or, or like, you know, fluffed up on the rough is something I could absolutely do that with. So, um, being able to like confidently say like, Oh, it's going really far, but it's going to land soft is not something I have at my handicap skill level. And a nine wood is really sort of changed that for me. So absolutely crushing one and having it just like, Oh, right in is really satisfying. Before I get to mine, I got to know your, your stock yardages with your nine wood and seven wood. Oh, so seven woods, probably something like uh 210. and nine wood is like in the air. Like one seventy five or something, maybe. Like on average, really. Yeah. If I really get a hold of it, maybe one eighty five. But yeah, something like that. Okay, cool. Very. Um, yeah, my <clears throat> my next one, and the reason I asked that question is because this. My next one is a pure long iron, but they are. Joe's already talked about this. There's, there's so few and far between. I'm getting worse and worse and worse at hitting a four iron. <laughs> um, like it used to be like relatively reliable off the tee, and now it's reliable for for going straight, maybe. But like. I may hit nine inches behind the ball and it's going straight like <laughs> 111 yards. Um, so that, that's something I may need to address in the off season. Um, I don't know if a nine wood is the answer, uh, but I don't know. A four iron is not the answer, but when you do catch that one and you flush it and you, you get that, that perfect, that perfect strike with a long iron and you just, like Joe said, like that's the shot more than any other shot that makes you feel like you could do this for a living. Totally. Um, by the way, uh, sort of a, a C plot, to this year is uh, whether or not I'm going to get a super hybrid. And I, I have to tell you, our friend Brian Romy, who um, <laughs> was last week's Mad Golfer of the Week, I I, I, I think I'm going to retire that plan. I, I really don't like the super hybrid. My four iron is out of my bag. Um, I don't really find many circumstances where I would use it off the tee, to be honest. So, I, And I think, frankly, I need to lay up more than I am in, in, in my everyday life. So what that's kind of the send conclusion. Didn't he send you just a, just a hybrid? I mean, what did he actually send you? He sent me like it's it's like a nineteen degree. It's not quite a wood. It's definitely not a hybrid. It's like it's almost like um like a player forgiveness club. What do they call those things? Like uh, you have a make and model or, or utility iron, <laughs> utility iron. But it, but it's not. I mean, it is a utility iron, but it's so chunky it almost like makes it prohibitive to hit. Maybe it's just the wrong no, style. Uh, is it a utility I'm iron? Titleist? Yeah, it's it's a Titleist T something something or other. You know, Ooh. it's uh yeah. Can you type that in your oh, Ask Jeeves and see what pops up real quick? <laughs> anyway, I digress. It's it's okay. I don't like it. It's, it's something to have in my bag every day. I'd rather have a four iron because it's more fun to hit that. And like we talked about, Nick helps about for, enjoyment. Maybe a podcast for December is bringing like a club equipment specialist on here like maybe a fitter or something and, and having us solve the top of our bags between our mid irons and our woods because i think like if that the three great. of us all have an issue with that like maybe more golfers would, would get something out of that as well i love it do you do you, do you have someone on speed dial nick no but i have access I can, I can, oh I can okay i love that he's down okay great um my I'll last the one of this titleist t something 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 or other and yeah see if they're free when Romy hears this episode, he's going to send so many texts. I can't wait. My last one, Nick, this is something I talk about often. And something that I actually executed last time I played at Glendeer West. A second ball birdie. That first one, you just rip it out of bounds. And you're like, oh, fuck. Well, here comes a double. Here comes a triple. Here comes a round ruiner. But then you hit your second one pretty good. And your fourth shot, oh, my, you're close. And then you have this crucial bogey putt, and you knock it in. Making that putt on a second ball birdie, 
There is nothing. I don't care if you make a birdie or an eagle. That's found money. A second ball birdie, that keeps your round together, baby. And to me, that is the most satisfying shot in golf. It's a, it's a, it's a couple of shots, but it's that putt specifically to get that second ball birdie. It's huge. I want to follow up on that one okay. a little bit later. Oh, 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 oh. some some Intrigue. some more weird rules. I love it, Nick. Did you have honorable mention and some other stuff you wanted to get to, or do you want to go to? Yeah, uh, no, rules? I do. I have I have two honorable mentions. Okay, great. Um, any shot that exhibits any sort of repeatable and predictable shot shape or pattern <laughs> is super satisfying. Um, so it's not like a specific shot, but like if you're on the sixth hole and like this baby draw is working and then you're just feeling like a natural swing and the shot, the shot shape is doing the same thing over and over. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I experienced that for, for a brief period this summer when I was, you know, practicing, um, a, a club path, <laughs> you know, go, go figure. Um, also this needs to be mentioned a, a 20 plus foot putt. When, when you make a bomb, um, it doesn't matter what it's for. That's found money. Cause you're, you're, calculating in your head a two putt you know you're kind of hoping you don't blow it five feet past you don't want one of those must make you know four footers coming back uh when that thing goes in that is super satisfying and to circle back to what you just said most unsettling the opposite of what you're talking about and i did not i I promise i did not see this on your list but i knew i I did know it was going to be on your list the birdie with the second ball bogey Now, what do you mean by most the, unsettling? The, that's the most <laughs> unsettling because you're sitting like you made it. It just it bothers you. It bothers you. It's just like, why can I do that the first time? If I oh. wouldn't have blasted that first one out of bounds, I would be doing this and that. It just it, it's it's so unsettling. There's no closure. Like it, when you think about your round, when you when you tally up the score and you take that sip of beer, the first thought, the first place your mind goes to is that out of bounds shot and what could have been even though you saved the best possible outcome it is yes it is it's so unsettling you're 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 playing the hand you're dealt you were dealt a three and a ten and somehow you scooped a thousand dollar pot you hit it into someone's backyard and you still just make one square on the card this isn't another we can go to the next hole with some confidence we've executed three shots in a row to get ourselves back in the round i understand what you're saying I wish you didn't mess up that first shot, but oh baby, we did everything we could after that point. This really both, exhibits both the two things personalities on this podcast. <laughs> glass half full, glass half empty on one same shot. Great. Yeah. Truly. And with that, it is now time for Nick Rules. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. And lucky us, we have the president, founder. CEO of Matchstick Golf on this podcast right now. Dane, what's going on with Matchstick, buddy? Ooh, yes. I am so excited because we have released a really cool thing for fall, which is three new Potterades. So the first Potterade was sort of our our um, our second in command, our second bestseller of all time. People really loved that. It was one of the first ones I came up with that kind of fit what I was going for. Like, ooh, like I love the little wordplay and that kind of thing. And we did it off of the classic. It's the last um, glass bottle that uh, Michael Jordan, like, you know, did on TV. Right. And then now I've moved into sort of what we all experienced sort of in middle school and high school is that that fat squat um, uh, Gatorade bottle that's like you know plastic and has like the hexagonal things on top. Um, and then we did it in three colors. So we have lemon lime, frost, which is blue, 
and then Fruit Punch, which is red, obviously. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we have some cool ones, some uh, native headdresses uh, with Irene Crowchild, which uh, gives 25% um, of those proceeds go to um, the Indian um, Residential School Survivors Society uh, in Canada. Uh, if you don't know what that is, um, it's basically a, a place that uh, the, the residential schools were sort of a, a, a form of very serious oppression and a lot of um, indigenous people died in them and that kind of thing. And so there's some lasting scars from that. And so we're trying to help put some money towards that. Irene Crochild is a two-time uh, world long drive champion for uh, Canadian uh, women's um, pro golfers. So she's, she's also a great artist, which is great to follow her. Um, and so that's sort of like the product that we have. The other stuff we're going, we're having going forwards is like I'm really excited about is um, two things. One, if you sign up for our, our email newsletter, I'm now going to give folks the opportunity to get a golf ball marker for $10 every month. That's there oh. needs to be some sort of thing that like keeps people in. And, and we, we send people sort of like, you know, random coupons here now. And then they also get early access to drops a day early because a lot of these things sell out very fast, but instead it's like, you know what? Like you guys like love golf ball markers and you love our product. Like here's something where it's like only you guys are going to be able to get this. So like, that's something we're going to do in November. And then the other thing we're doing, we're adding is um, reviews are really important to folks. You know, we're just like a little internet company um, and like our reviews are written by real people, like real, real purchasers. And so every month we're going to do a contest or well, it's, it's sort of like a running contest where like we want people to be able to leave reviews on our products. And then every month we're going to pick the best one and then send them a free golf ball. Mm. so it's like hey like remember like pop back in here and tell people you know give people your honest opinions because like they want to see that and that's a, like a part of building trust and like i think the the best thing about matchstick is everybody who is really into it really gets it and they're really like you know it feels like very part of like a community that we built and so i want people to be able to see that when they come to the site for the first time and like you know be able to join in and see what other people in the community already have so that's really where we're going and then i would say you know the last thing i kind of want to mention that kind of got lost in, in the weeds a little bit is um we added a partner this year so we added uh one of my friends now johnson which i don't know if you have met him joe but um oh yeah we've played golf a few times Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, Nile, Nile um, uh, we met through Urban Golf, the Muni Kids, a couple of years ago. Um, he's uh, become a very close friend of mine, and uh, he just absolutely loves golf. And so uh, he joined in as part of the ownership group, um, bought in, and uh, he's really going to head some um, some sales initiatives for us because he's uh, that's what he does in his, his day job is um, – uh, really, uh, he works for Day One Distrib Distribution, which is a beer dis distribution company here in Portland. Um, but he's really going to head up some things for, uh, 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 like, I guess you would call it apparel, but it kind of mm. goes beyond that. So fashion and that kind of stuff. So um, I'm really excited for that. But it got, got a little, um, some other things came up and got a little uh, in the way of that. So. Um, I'm really excited to have him on board and, uh, you know what, actually we're kind of burying the lead. The last thing I'll say is I do matchstick full-time now. This is my full-time job. Yeah. Was, okay. Thank you. Thank you to you guys specifically. Thank you to your listeners for supporting. Um, you know, like absolutely we, it's, it's, uh, it's a little scary doing your own thing full-time for your only job, but, uh, it means some, some big things are coming. It, it allows us to be able to think about some things and get stuff done. It also allows us to do things like, 
uh, I'm shipping every single day, which is really important coming up towards the holidays where, you know, you find these small companies and you're like, am I going to get this in time? Oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah, baby. I'm I'm shipping it out this morning. You know, you, you, you make a you make an order at 8 p.m. It's going out at 10 a.m. the next morning. So um, I'm really excited about that. But mostly thank you. And thank you guys for your support. And thank you for your listeners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's great, Dane. And I love Niall. Um, he's a good dude, but also he I feel like he's my my long lost kindred spirit in golf. Um, we're both about an eight handicap and we both have an incredibly high ceiling and low floor, which I really, That's really correct. appreciate. Um, I, I've really never met someone who's like me on the golf course and Niall is that way. So I'm really glad he's a part of what you're doing. Excited about everything you guys are doing and congrats on making this your full-time gig. I don't know if you know this, but Nick actually quit his job six months ago at the turn is his full-time job right now. So we're all very excited about that too. Congrats, Nick. Which, which is exactly why uh, I logged into this podcast. And before we started recording, Joe had to ask me if I knew who won the World Series and uh, kind of give me the test to see which current events I'm up on and which which things I just have absolutely no idea what's going on. I really think he really wanted to see if I knew that uh, John Rama had dropped out of a golf league and if I knew that he was even part of the golf league to begin with. <laughs> um, with that, let's get to Nick Rules. Turn 20, Matchstick Golf. Okay, so... Um, there are folks in 11 states that seven whole rounds, 14 whole rounds, 18 whole rounds, doesn't matter. They're done posting. Seven if you are in any of these stray states, you, you are not posting unless you're traveling. Alaska, Illinois, Maine, Michigan, Montana, New York, except for New York City, parts of Ohio. Ohio <laughs> apparently is so big, there are four <laughs> different handicap jurisdictions. It's insane. <laughs> South Dakota, Vermont, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Now, remember South Dakota. On November 14th, coming right up, 16 more states and some like territories I didn't know existed. Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Idaho, Indiana, <laughs> Iowa, Massachusetts, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York City, North Dakota. Okay, I don't get this. If you're in North Dakota and it's November 10th and it's you get a beautiful day. I'm sorry, if you're in South Dakota and it's November 10th yeah. and it's a beautiful day, you've got to go north to North Dakota to, to play a round of golf that you can post for your handicap. It's insane. I don't know who's making these rules. There's no continuity. Other parts of Ohio, but there are still even more parts of Ohio who are playing until November 30th, uh, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Northern Utah, not Southern Utah. They're posting year-round in Washington. And while I was looking all this up, I discovered Washington, the most insane soft. handicap posting season of all that belongs to Kansas. They post until December 31st. Then they take a two-month break. No golf in January or February. They start back up March 1st. Are you serious? It gets cold in Kansas. Cool. It's not cold <laughs> enough on December 29th or on January 2nd. You said no? Uh, and that is Nick Rolls. Now, I went out of order, so I'm going to squeeze in a quick Mad Golfer of the Week before we go here. Um, this week's Mad Golfer of the Week is from River Ridge Golf Club which is the golf course in Raleigh, North Carolina that I played a few weeks back that we discussed in last week's episode. The Mad Golfer this week is called Powerhouse. Quote, the course was nice. I wouldn't recommend this place if you're a casual golfer and are actually trying to have fun. There are a bunch of old Karens who will try to rush you along. They become rude and started teeing off before we reach the green. Golf is not a rushing game, but a game of skill and patience. The staff did nothing about the Karens out there congrats to powerhouse you are our mad golfer of the week boys anything else before we close up shop my real question is does that count in terms of him talking about how good he played 
powerhouse. He's he was backdooring it a little bit there. I'm saying he was a little bit, but anyone who questions fast pace of play is someone that I have some serious doubts about. Seriously. Yeah, I do yeah. like to break down the mad golfer. And even though this one's a little bit short, I've got some things I need to pull out of here. <laughs> Great. Um, the Karens are teeing off before you reach the green. Well, that's that's standard etiquette, you know? Yeah. Maybe not on a 120-yard par three, <laughs> but you know what? If you're if, if you're out of Karen's way, she should go ahead and, and hit. Um, I wouldn't recommend this place if you're a casual golfer or actually trying to have fun, but I would recommend it. If you're looking to have a miserable five hours in the golf course, is that is that what you're saying? I don't know. These 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 guys. And that is your mad golfer of the week, Dane. Thank you for being here, Nick. Thank you for keeping up on professional baseball. Everybody for listening. Thank you so much for listening, Dane. Let's talk about writing Lendevere, a strongly worded letter. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's do it. Let's work on those long irons. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.